Good morning, church family. <laughs> well, welcome to our time of worship this morning and trust that as you've lifted your voices and in, in song to the Lord and at the same time lifted your, your hearts as well as engaged your mind in worship of the Lord that it has been a blessing to you and we have the privilege in the next few moments to open up the Word of God together, which we know is timeless and true. And before we do, let's just once again just bow for some prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this time. I do thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask that you would just use it this morning to teach us, uh, to mold us and shape us uh, as you are the, the great potter and we are the clay. Uh, and Lord, we do thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we continue on in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 7. And our time together will be spent on one verse, verse 12, as we take a look at what is often referred to as the golden rule. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and let me read it to you. It says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It goes without saying that people love to be respected, and they love to be loved. And so as we, you know, look at the world in which we live, even the, 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 the world that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they desire that respect, they desire that love. And that's seen in our relationships. We, we see that unfolding each and every day uh, as we engage those that we love in our households, as we engage those that we work with, uh, as we, we come together even with uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. None of us would come here if we were going to be disrespected and unloved. Uh, and so as we, we think about this, even from a, a marriage standpoint, you know, one of the things that I do when I sit down with couples is to remind them of actually a very core truth in, in relation to marriage. And uh, it, it comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, uh, where a command is given both to the husband and the wife. To the husband, it is commanded that they love their wives as they love themselves, but also, and we know scripturally, as, the, as Christ loved the church. And wives are commanded to respect their husbands. And those two things are very important because God designed women to desire love, and God designed men to desire respect. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not mutually or that they are mutually exclusive uh, because we, we desire both. But it's interesting that God commands uh, men to love their wives and for wives to respect their husbands uh, because it's core to the, those relationships and what uh, we, we desire. Uh, and uh, it's amazing that even uh, people that desire to be loved and respected do so even when they don't necessarily deserve it. Uh, and so as we, we take a look at our passage today, we're going to find some of this f- unfolding. Uh, the first thing that you need to understand as we take a look at that this uh, particular verse uh, is that it is not a call for us to treat others based on how we expect them to treat us. Uh, which, uh, as you look at the world's, uh, you know, scheme and, and what they put forth and desire, that's exactly what they, they do, is they expect uh, a, a return oftentimes. I'm going to treat this individual this way because I expect something in return. 
and as we, we take a look at this uh, passage today, we're going to find that uh, that's not why we are to uh, do to others as we'd have them do to us. Instead, this is a call for us to treat others based on how we want them to treat us. And the reality is, is that what we want is not necessarily what will happen. Uh, because we're dealing with individuals, we're dealing with people that, uh, you know, for those that are not believers, are by nature selfish. Now, that doesn't mean that believers can't struggle with selfishness, because uh, there would be no need for marriage counseling if if everyone was to to do what they're supposed to biblically. Oftentimes, all those problems are all a direct result of uh, others thinking about of themselves above the others that they, they are, are are with. So with that as an introduction, as we take a look at this golden rule, you may ask the question, well, why is it called the golden rule? Well, it's called the golden rule because there's great value in treating others how we want them to treat us. Uh, and it's something, as we, we take a look at this through a biblical uh, lens, we're going to find that even though you can go into uh, many of the world religions and the philosophies of, of man and find the equivalent and I'll use equivalent in quotes because it's not the same, but some of the same wording is there is uh, of, of, you know, treating others as you would want them. Uh, what we need to understand is that in Matthew seven twelve there it has no equal. And if you, you know, take the time to Google the golden rule, you'll find that it'll, it'll show you every religion of the world and their golden rule. Uh, and so I want to speak to that for a few minutes this morning because... Um, something that the golden rule is not is a uh, fortune cookie saying. It's not something like, go for the gold today, you'll be the champion of whatever. You know, And that you may find in a, a fortune cookie when you uh, decide to crack those open. But that's not what this, this saying, uh, what this truth that we're finding out here in Romans, yeah, Romans, Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 is. And the thing is, there's also those that would wrongly <clears throat> marginalize Jesus' command here, uh, saying that it's just a commonly shared ethic, a, a, a moral code that, that crosses over religious boundaries, uh, and so therefore it's going to be the same in all the world religions and the philosophies of man. Uh, and it's wrong to jump to that conclusion as well. Uh, as we'll find, part of that reason for them to say that is because they misquote what Jesus actually said. Uh, there's others who accuse Jesus of utilizing the teachings of the Eastern religions to come up with the golden rule uh, as he walked the earth and was amongst us. Uh, the only problem with that is that Jesus utilizes an Old Testament text out of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that's the foundation that Jesus actually, you know, uh, speaks forth the truth that we find in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. The neat thing is, is that this text from Leviticus 19:18 is literally thousand years prior to any of the Eastern religions and their teachings. And so for them to, to, you know, falsely accuse Jesus of utilizing their teachings to come up with this, uh, again, is, is not true. And something else that you're going to find as we, we take a look at this and unpack it a little bit more is that it is a positive command. It, you know, Jesus is saying, do. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, 
do also to them. Okay? So if you take a look, I'm one slide behind here, at some, and these are just two, you know, like I said, if you Google the golden rule, you'll find all kinds of, of things that will come up in each and every one of the world religions. But every last one of them that you look at are all negative, passive commands. You know, the, the Jewish rabbi Hillel said, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Confucius taught, do not do to others what uh, you do not want done to yourself. Do you notice the negative language? Do not do. Uh, and in and, and, and doing so, it's, it's a passive command because it all ends up being, you know, for your own selfish, you know, reasons, you know, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Okay, again, looking at yourself inwardly, and do not do to others what you'd have, uh, what you do not want done to yourself. Again, it's it's all about me and what I get out of it. And so, as you take a look at all the other, you know, and golden rules uh, that have been perpetuated, you'll find that they're all negative, passive commands. Whereas Jesus uh, here in Matthew seven twelve is a proactive, positive command uh, because he says do. Uh, and you do so for the the purpose of of being positive in what you're you're going to accomplish, even if it means that you don't get what you want out of your action towards someone else. And the other thing that you'll notice from the all the other religions of the world and the philosophies of man is that you can read these, and you there's no no inkling, no you know thing that would draw your attention to anything other than yourself. God's not part of it. And what we're going to find here as we, we take a look at the text is that God is at, the, is at the center of it. He is the author of it. And so we'll, we'll take a look at that in a, in a few moments. So as we take a look at the golden rule, what you'll find is, is that it is often quoted exactly like this. Whatever you wish others would do for you, do also for them. That's how they quote it. Okay, well, it's partially right, but it's not what Jesus said. Uh, and that's where we take a look again, and this is the importance of what you'll see in, in, in Bible study, is you need to take a look at, at the context. You need to take a look at, at all that's there. And you've got to take a look at the, the overall context in that particular chapter, that, that book of the Bible, and then in the Bible as a whole. And the reason for that is because otherwise you can build a philosophy, you can build a, uh, a mantra off of something that uh, is, you know, only part of what is actually true uh, or not even true at all. Uh, because what you'll see from the text is, is, is there's words that are missing as part of the frame of this, uh, this truth. Because, you know, yes, in the dead center it says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, is, is in the verse. But notice the first word that they drop off in when they quote it as the golden rule. So, and you may be thinking, well, what, what, what does that have to do? I mean, what, what, what is that little word going to do in changing the meaning of what Jesus said? Well, actually something very profound. Because the, the word so means likewise then. Okay, so likewise then in relation to what? Okay, again, we, we consider the context. We go back because, you know, God is good, so good and generous, so should we be. Because, you know, we who are evil can give good gifts, how much more 
will our Father who is in heaven give? And so, since God is good in his motives, his actions, his feelings, his thoughts, every fiber of his being, we, uh, as his children, need, by his power, by the very power of God, to be the same. God is our example. And so, when it says, so, whatever you wish, etc., it's saying that, because you know what is true about God, what you just got done hearing as Jesus, you know, put forth, you know, in, in our, our biblical text just a moment ago, and what we talked about last week is that God is good, and he is one who gives only that which is good. And so since those who are evil can give good gifts, how much more should those who have experienced redemption emulate their heavenly Father and give good gifts to others? And it's a rhetorical question. We, we, we should be doing exactly like God does. That doesn't always mean that we do. And I'm not saying that we become God. What we are doing is we are, we are, you know, reflecting, you know, God in how we, we, what we say, how we think, and then how we act towards other people. Because you're communicating something. The question is, what are you communicating? Are you communicating the the selfishness of what they do when they only quote the middle portion of what Jesus said? You know, because when you you, you do the, leave the put the middle portion in there, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Sounds really good, but it's devoid of God. Someone else could have said it, and that's you know even as we we, we think about music, you know, as we we look at songs, sometimes songs that we even sing that. If you, you're not careful, you can, you can see that this could be a secular love song as opposed to it actually worshiping and honoring God. Because if it ever mentions God's name or draws your attention in some way to God, you know, again, the words are nice, but, you know, a, a secular artist could have wrote it. And so the thing is, is we take a look at this, that we have to caution ourselves to make sure we're not doing exactly the same thing in, in forgetting the little word so, uh, because it has a profound effect on what follows. Uh, so since Jesus, since God is likewise good in all that he is, everything pertaining to who he is, and because he is that way, he gives good gifts, that's what we should do. But see, that's the, the one bookend, if you want to call it, of the, the golden rule. The other bookend is the words, for this is the law and the prophets. Now you may think, well, that's, you know, another additional, you know, bit of information there, but it doesn't kind of roll off the tongue. You know, what, what kind of, you know, saying, you know, you know, if you were to see this in a fortune cookie would say, so this is the law and the prophets. You know, people aren't going to, to really be able to digest what that, that means. And the thing is, as believers and as those who, you know, are going to take this golden rule and realize the importance of just how there is great value in treating others how we would want to be treated is, is, is going to be framed in by the fact that God is the one who established it. For this is the law, which we know the law comes from God. It's God's law and the prophets. Well, what did the prophets do? The prophets communicated God's law, God's, you know, judgment, God's truth to God's people. And so here you've got these two bookends around this, uh, this profound 
statement that whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. It's surrounded by the fact that first, be like God, because this is how God is. And on the other side, it's saying, because this is what God's word speaks to. This is what the law and the prophets speak to. See, as we take a look at this, it's it's the difference between doing for others, because Jesus said do, and not doing, which is just self-preservation and thinking of self. And that's the difference. When you when you remove the bookends, then what you have is not doing, you know, and self-preservation. Because it could be just someone else saying it. But the fact is, is Jesus did say it. And Jesus said it with these bookends for us to keep in mind that as we think about this, as we ponder whether or not we wish, you know, whatever we wish others to do to us that we also do to them is going to have a whole lot different of a view when it actually comes to practicality and, and living that out. Because if if God is not the the overarching thing that I do as I seek to decide what I want people to do, then guess what? It's going to be coming out of a source that is going to only think about me. And I can't do that. And there's a reason for that, because man's heart is narcissistic. As you look up narcissism in the, in the, the, the dictionary, you'll find that it's defined in psychology as selfishness, involving a tense sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, and a need for admiration. And so as you look at all of these other golden rules that, that, that span the other religions and philosophies of man, this is what actually frames in how they act and how they work and what they do. Paul warns Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, uh, that there is uh, days coming that will be difficult days where people will be lovers of self. And we can see that. Uh, we can see that in our world living out every day. And, and the thing is, is that even as believers, we have to caution ourselves because we're either going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, or guess what? We're going to love something else. And so we, we have to make sure that we watch even our hearts as we, we seek to utilize this golden role in how we live and engage other people. Jesus knew the condition of the human heart. He understood what Jeremiah seventeen nine says, that the heart is deceitful above all things uh, and desperately sick who can know it. And see, that's why these bookends are on the golden rule. For us to see this through God's eyes, through his lens, as we take a look at the world, because Jesus even described mankind as naturally evil in verse 11 of, our, of the text, you know, previous. So, what, what does God do, knowing this is how man's heart is? What does he do in order to give us the framework by which we can actually utilize the golden rule in everyday life as we engage one another uh, you know, within the household of God, but also in, in the world in which we live. Well, God gives his children exactly what they need. See, in order to fulfill the command that Jesus is putting forth, we need something that cannot come from within fallen man. We have plenty of that happening. You know, and when, and when it comes from fallen man, then guess what? 
It's, it's all about me, and it doesn't matter who I hurt. Uh, I'm going to get what I want out of all this. And we can see this unraveling in our country even right now. When it's all about me and what I want and don't take into consideration the rights of other people then uh, or the fact that they are created in the image of God, uh, then what we will see is all the, the things that this, the Bible speaks very clear to. That not only will people be lovers of self, but they'll be envious, they'll be prideful, um, they'll be you know, haters of God, uh, they'll be murderers, they'll be covetors. They'll do everything that is part of the sinful nature. But see, the thing is, we have an advantage here. As those who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ uh, for salvation, we have something that the world does not. And therefore can see this golden rule for what it truly is. See, it is God who teaches us how to love by first loving us. We see this in 1 John four nineteen. We love because, what? He first loved us. It's God who gave us the ability to be able to love and see beyond ourselves. To open our eyes to the spiritual truth that uh, we can no longer have sin be our uh, our guiding force. Uh, that what we, we take a look at as we engage life each and every day needs to be centered around the love that God showed us first. Because that is the only way that you're going to be able to engage a world and call uh, and answer the call to treat others based on how we want them to treat us as opposed to how we expect them to treat us. Okay, because the thing is, is that even though we may expect people to be a certain way, even though we may want them to act a certain way, when we go out of our way or as we are living biblically and loving them as we should, guess what? That can be thrown right back in your face just as quickly as you gave it out. And know this, because of who you are in Jesus Christ, matter of fact, chances are they're going to persecute you even though you are, are, are loving them as God loved you first. The love we need is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Is it a coincidence that the very first fruit that is mentioned on this list is love? Okay? And the fact is is that the Spirit gives us the ability to love others and to do what the rest of the world cannot do apart from God. And that is love people even when they're not worthy of it. Even when they won't receive it even when they act in rebellion against it. See, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So in other words, how we would have responded to a, a, a golden rule devoid of God would have been through the passions and desires of our flesh. But that's not who we are anymore because we have the Spirit of God living within us, because we have been regenerated. We do not think, we do not act the way we used to because we are no longer slaves to sin. But instead, we love because God first loved us, giving us the ability to love others. I love that as we you know take a look at Romans chapter 5, says, therefore, since we've been justified, since we've been declared righteous by God, by faith in him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So everything has been made right. We have been reconciled to God. We are no longer at war with him. We no longer think like the world. Instead, we are, have a mind that is being renewed, as it tells us in Romans chapter 12. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's poured into our hearts. So this is not just a, a you know, a simple one-time act. God is pouring his love through the Spirit into our hearts to give us the ability to love others and to treat them and, and to uh, whatever you would wish others to do to you, do unto them. Which is the very, that's the hardest thing. To not do it out of selfish reasons. Just because I'm going to get something. If, I, if I'm nice to this individual, then guess what? I'm going to get something. See, that's how the world thinks. Instead, we, we have been changed. We are no longer like that. So it's God who teaches us how to love, and the love that we have is is part of the fruit of the Spirit, a love that is poured into our hearts, giving us the ability to love and to serve of others, which we know is the mark of a true believer. Uh, John chapter 13, uh, verses uh, 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Do you see how that's working? That when we are actually going by the golden rule for the purpose of loving like God loves us, it's a testimony to the rest of the world. Because think about it. If we just act and do the same things that the world does, is the world going to see anything different? No, they're not. That's why it's it's so important for us to, to realize who we are in Jesus Christ. And yes, I know it's hard. It's hard to love somebody that's unlovable. Someone who is going to hurt you, that you know has hurt you in the past. But the thing is, is that God, as he's pouring his love into your heart, gives you the ability to even look beyond that hurt, to look beyond everything that may be negative in all of this, and give you the ability to love them like no one else can. Because God's love is pouring out, not only or is pouring into your heart, but also pouring out as a testimony of the fact that you belong to God. So in other words, the world should see something different. They should not see the status quo or a, a generic, you know, golden rule that is similar in its precepts, but is, is completely opposite of what God has given us the ability to do through his spirit. And one last thing, <clears throat> as you take a look at verse 12, um, the command in verse 12 is in the present imperative in the Greek. Again, this is something that you're not going to see in your English text, but it calls for an attitude or action to be one's continual way of life. So guess what? Tomorrow morning when you get up, you're to love others as God has loved you. And guess what? The next day after that, you're going to do the same thing. It's something that is supposed to be a continual way of life. It's your lifestyle because that's who you are now. You are not like the rest of the world. That does not love God, but instead hates God. And so God gives us the ability to do something that we, we, we weren't even by nature looking to do, 
and give us the ability to be a testimony to the rest of the world what being regenerated by the God who made them looks like. See, this is what separates believers from unbelievers because unbelievers cannot maintain this this level of selflessness. It doesn't mean that, that unbelievers cannot do selfless acts. They do. People will offer their lives. Matter of fact, we, we can see that even in our in our military. People willing to put their lives on the line for people that they don't even know. And do so and so and and and, and have that as a selfless act. But the thing that is different with believers is that we've been given the ability to do this each and every day without fail as the power of God through the Holy Spirit living in us who is pouring that love into us to be able to love the unlovable. A love that Jesus Christ showed us because guess what? We were the unlovable at one point. Let me read in closing a quote to you. And I'm not even going to tell you from who because I want you to guess when this was written. It says, There is a special need to press this injunction upon God's people today. This is a generation which is characterized by gross selfishness when the law of decency has been displaced by the lawlessness of the savage, when good manners are a thing of the past, when human beings conduct themselves more like hogs at a trough or hungry dogs fighting for a bone. Uh, we, we heard about the, the, the pigs before, didn't we? There is no regard for the rights of others and therefore no concern for the comforts of others. It is every man for himself whether scrambling into a train or a bus or turning on his radio full blast without any consideration for his neighbors. You know when that was written? Sounds like it could have been written today. Matter of fact, I could have penned that this morning, but I didn't. But it's nonetheless true. This was written in 1947, right on the heels of World War II ending by A.W. Pink. And I think what he has to say there speaks to the fact that man does not change. But God, as he works through those who have been regenerated, can change the world. We cannot act like unregenerate man acts toward others. Because the world has plenty of examples of that. Every world religion, you can see that. You'll see all of those negative passive commands making it all about you. Whereas Jesus, when he did this, framed it in to let you know that so, as we take a look at God the Father being the one who is good and gives good gifts, so much more than even the evil people who give good gifts. Because God is holy and pure and right. And that this is for the law and the prophets. That this has been God's established, you know, Creed in relation to who he is because it is who he is. Because God is love. But he is also a whole lot of other things as well. As we take a look at his attributes. That he is also just. That he is also righteous. uh, That he is uh, merciful and gracious. Long-suffering. But he is a God of justice as well. 
Uh, and as we take a look at this and as we, we think about this golden rule, do not forget to look at it through the lens of someone who is redeemed. That God has given you the very thing that you need in order to execute this the way that is it meant to be. With God at the very center of it. The God who is love, who first loved us. Uh, giving us his spirit and, and the fruit of that spirit, which is God himself. Which is first love. Uh, a love that is poured into our hearts, giving us the ability to do the impossible. To do that which natural man cannot. He doesn't even see the need for it, but you do because it gives testimony to the God who changed us, who took us from a a kingdom of darkness and selfishness and living for myself to a kingdom of light and opening my eyes to the truth so that I may live for him and be an example to the next generation. Because like I said, even what A.W. Pink wrote in 1947 is true today. And, you know, maybe minus the train or bus if we go a couple hundred years prior. But the fact is the core of what is there is exactly selfish man living out for only himself. Yes, maybe doing some good things here and there in relation to the rest of mankind. But we have something so much more beautiful. Something that God established that came out of his law that he communicated to his people for generations a love that, that is able to love that which is unlovable. So do you do to others as you'd have them do to you? Take into consideration the God who made you, the God who is good, whose law is eternal. His message has not changed. I hope so. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, this uh, particular verse, Lord. We thank you for the clarity that we can have in digging deeper into your word to see that this is not just some ethical, moral standard that uh, crosses over religious uh, uh, lines and, and is, is part of the philosophy of man. Uh, if anything, it is completely opposite of that. Uh, it goes from being negative and passive to being positive and proactive because you are a God that does. You are not idle. You continue to do your great work as you you make us more and conform us more to your image each and every day. And may that just define us, even in a day and age that is like 1947, where people don't respect one another, they don't care about one another, and so they do whatever comes naturally, whatever they want to do at the spur of the moment, whether that is harm uh, to those around them, uh, taking away what uh, people have worked hard to to earn and to have, uh, whether it's even taken their very life. Uh, Lord, we know that this is the, the, the path of destruction. Uh, and Lord, we, we thank you that you... Uh, helped us to see our need of a Savior, that you opened our eyes to the truth, that you redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could live differently. And Lord, it is getting harder to love like you love, because we know that that, it means that oftentimes we're going to be persecuted as a result of that love. Be made fun of. You know, why are you thinking of others when you should be thinking of yourself? But Lord, we know that's what you saved us out of. 
and uh, you've given us what we need in order to live rightly in this world. And we ask for the power through your Holy Spirit to do so. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.